world of dog sports has lots of options to keep your dog's four paws busy. Let's dive deeper in four paws sports. Hey there, welcome back. Another episode of Four Paws Sports Studio here. I'm Jeff, and joining along with me again as always is Mary. Hey, everybody. All right, so today I think we're going to talk about some first because I think Mary had uh, had a pretty exciting weekend here not too long ago. Here, Mary, why don't you uh, why don't you kick it off and tell us what happened? Yeah, well, I got to do something that I've never done before um, in the world of dogs, which has been a bit since I can say that, and that was I was <laughs> called on to do an emergency obedience and rally judging assignment. Um. I've judged some 4-H before, which is completely different, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and I want to become an obedience and rally judge, but it was one of those things like, oh, I need to do it. I need to do it. Well, our local club that I'm a member of um, recently had their June obedience and rally trial. We do two obedience trials the first day and an obedience rally trials the second day. We have two judges. And my mom is the trial chair, which when your mom is a trial chair and things go to heck at the last minute, expect a phone call. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> one of the judges was having some um, health issues and kind of like, you know, and she was her husband could still judge, but she was not going to be able to. She's like, yeah. And so the AKC has a allowance for if a judge has to back out kind of an emergency situation uh, last minute that anybody that, uh, that somebody else who's not a judge can step in. And in this case for obedience, um, you need to have at least earned a utility degree, which I have a few of them. So I was able to step in and judge. And um, it was, it was cool. I mean, I will say, it was exciting. Like I was nervous, but excited to do it starting off. Um, you know, the first time you step in there, like I've shown a lot, you know, I started, I showed obedience for the first time. Oh, 34 years ago. I've been in the ring a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> I've a lot of dogs at all levels. Um, the only class I judged that I had never shown in before was graduate open. Uh, which I've done graduate novice in its current configuration, but I, I just haven't had a dog that was ready at the right time. I think it's a great class, it's kind of like a pre utility class for those wondering what the world graduate open is. And it's now an optional titling class, but I've never done it, but everything else I had done, but it is a whole different ball game. When you were on the other side of the clipboard, I will tell you what it's, it moves fast. <laughs> Things happen. Things happen at a much faster pace than what you realize when you're on that side of the fence. That is a true story. And I, there was one, you know, I used to wonder sometimes, I was like, well, how in the world did the judge miss that? Like, I'd not get hit for something that I was thinking, well, surely that should have been. And I'm like, well, I'm the only one in the ring with you. How in the world do you miss that? Let me tell you what, folks, it is hard like for instance there was a dog that i passed in open the first day that i probably shouldn't have but they were doing command discrimination and they were on the they were so they had done whatever the order was i don't know they'd done either a stand or a down first 
and then they had to go. I don't remember. It was either stand down, sit or down, stand, sit or so. I think sit was the last thing. And so the handler is across the ring. I was trying not to be too obtrusive on the dog. So I was kind of off to the side. Well, the dog, she commanded and signaled the dog and I'm watching the dog because it kind of moved, but then it didn't. But I realized that I was watching the dog and not the handler and the dog finally moved. And I was like, well, did she, she didn't say anything else, but did she move again? Well, I had no idea. So I had to pass her, you know, I, I took off points for a slow response, but I had to pass her. Well, she did move her hand and she even like, she admitted it. I, I mean, she was like, are you sure I should have passed? And I'm like, well, I didn't see anything. So yes, you did. <laughs> so, and just learning to put yourself in a position to see is it's a learning curve and you know, it's one of the things that they teach you when you're trying to learn to become a judge. And still, like, I will say the second day, I felt a lot more in command of my obedience ring. I felt like I did a much better job with my judging path. Um, I don't think we think as much about a judging path and obedience as we do in agility, but it's still important. Because um, you can't see everything. Like the healing, there's no way you can see simultaneously whether the dog is bumping or forging or lagging or wide or everything. So you have to pick a path that allows you to consistently judge the same things for everybody. Um, and I felt like I was better at that the second day. Um, I was better at remembering. There was a few times that to remember to mark the healing and continue to call the healing pattern at the same time. That is also not easy. <laughs> I've called a lot of healing patterns, but I'm not marking a clipboard at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> And so that, you know, it just, it's different. And like, and I will say, I feel like obedience was easier to judge than rally for me. Um, obedience, because basically if you see it, you mark it. I mean, the decision is how big of a mark are you making? Is it a half point or is it a bigger deduction than that? Rally was a whole different kettle of fish because rally you are not supposed to mark everything you see. It's supposed to be a bigger mistake before it's a scorable mistake. And to me, that makes it harder to, I felt like it was harder to be consistent. I hope I still was consistent, but it, it it's harder because you have to, when you see something, you have to think about, wait, is this a big enough mistake to be, something that's reasonable to score and the other thing about rally so in rally you have your ideal performance of the sign you have an ip or an incorrect performance which is a minus 10 where you just don't do the sign right whether the handler directs the dog incorrectly or the dog doesn't respond correctly but that's those two things are pretty clear cut but i was unprepared for the range of things in the middle that can happen either because the dog didn't maybe respond as expected or the handler kind of almost tried to screw it up and then was like, Oh wait. And so they didn't do it wrong, but they didn't do it right. And then you're like, Oh, like there was a lot to think about um, that you don't, it's like, I feel, I mean, I have three rally champions and I'm almost halfway to my fourth one. It's not like I don't know how to show and rally, but um it's a, again, it's a whole different ball game. Like if I'm showing and it goes badly, I just 
keep going and the judge marks whatever they mark. But when it's my job to mark this court, <laughs> it's different. <laughs> well, there's such a big difference from you being in the ring with your dog and doing what you know how to do best to now everything's subjective at this point. Now that, mm-hmm. that is the one big difference between agility judging, confirmation, obedience, and rally judging. Like I love the last three all together because that is the most subjective judging that's going to be out there. I mean, confirmation, we're looking at, uh, we're looking at bite. We're looking at facial structure. We're looking at tail. We're looking at crop set. We're looking at ear set. We're looking at, uh, you know, the back legs, seeing how those are built there. We're looking at movement. And I say, we, I'm saying, I'm not even confirmation judge. I was like, <laughs> they are looking at those things. Yeah. I'm going, well, that's a pretty dog. It's got a nice coat too. Oh, and they're also looking at coat color too. And all mm-hmm. that good stuff there. Because there's so many little nuances there in confirmation. And then, well, let's talk about obedience. I mean, you've got, you know, you got a front set. you got to judge. You have the healing. You have, I mean, there's, I mean, you can go on. Go, you fin- finish the list for me that you're looking for. Right. Yeah, you're looking, how fast is the dog performing? At what point, you know, there's, and I will say obedience is less subjective than, say, confirmation is, which, you know, we should update this in August when I have my first sweepstakes judging assignment because, at least in obedience, the the AKC is guiding me a little more um, as far as these mistakes are minor errors. These are mistakes are more substantial errors. These mistakes are not qualifying. So while you have a range in each mistake and while, you know, different judges will be like, oh, you know, that front's off. Oh, that one's not, you know, at least the same. I think you're going to have more consistency. Because it's still kind of set, you know, if a front is crooked, it's a crooked front. So, you know, whether I think it's a half point off when maybe somebody else thinks it's a point off or whatever, you know, if a dog lags in healing, well, is it a one point lag or is it a really bad, is it a three point lag, you know, but it's still a lag, a lag is a lag, you know, and like I say, talk to me again after I've done my sweepstakes assignment and it's like, (laughs) Okay, there's no such, and the thing is, is in obedience and rally, there's such a thing as a perfect performance. Now, again, it's a little bit in the eye of the beholder, but we do have, it is possible to attain a perfect performance. In confirmation, okay, we have this written standard for the breed that is the perfect dog, but the perfect dog doesn't exist. No dog is perfect. And everybody has a little bit different interpretation of what that perfect dog looks like anyway. And so then that whole different, and then it's like, okay, well, what, how does each judge interpret the standard, which faults are worse than others when you're looking at what's in front of you. Okay. You know, it's just, that's a whole nother, you know, I might need to, I don't know. Like, it, I'm really interested to see how that goes because that's a whole different kettle of fish, and it's not as structured for you. You know, you have to. Yeah, okay. The standard says these are minor faults, these are major faults. But if I'm looking at three nice dogs and they have some minor faults and nothing major, okay. Well, what do I weigh more than the other? You know. So it's right because right. at that point it's up to me internally. So yeah, it's. You know, it's, it's, it's a whole different, and again, like, you know, we come out as competitors, we're like, well, that dog has this, and my dog did this, whether it's a performance event, or whether it's a confirmation event, well, it's a whole different ballgame when you're sitting there trying to judge and, and decide, and, you know, it's, it's, a, and it's a lot, there's a lot happening, I think, that 
you don't realize when you're in there just showing your dog because you're focused on every little thing that's happening with you and your dog, you know? Well, right. And, you know, let's not just talk about the standards. Let's talk about the outside influences too, because in confirmation, the winning has a lot of, uh, has a lot that goes with the winning part of it too. Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. have outside influence of people pressuring judges, Mm Uh, inadvertently or purposefully, which I, I wouldn't say either way, but uh, mm-hmm. it does happen. I'm absolutely yep. sure it does because, um, you know, when we're talking about the big events, let's, let's talk Westminster. Let's talk about the big Thanksgiving show that everybody in the United States watches on Thanksgiving there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a yep. lot of pressure riding on that particular mm-hmm. show. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that we can th- take a look at, you know, the winner of each one of those breeds each year, the one that wins best to show that Thanksgiving show. I'm pretty sure we could probably watch an increase in population of dogs of that breed get that get purchased or increase in population that go home to families at that time. So, yeah, there is a lot of pressure riding Mm -hmm. on that judge. And, you know, I've I've done my fair share of judging already for agility uh, for the last seven years. I I don't know if I want that kind of pressure because, you know, you could make or break somebody's kennel just because of that, I would assume. Right. Well, you know, like you say, in agility, I think – are there close calls? Yeah. Like, gosh, was that close enough to be a refusal or is it not? I mean, that's, you know, did they really get their toenail in the contact or did they miss it? And it's happening fast. So it's, you have to make a decision pretty quickly. But yeah. I think it is, you know, at the core, if you have a smooth, I mean, one thing I think that is nice about being an agility judge is if you have a smooth, accurate run where the dog's running nicely and they're not doing anything weird and the bars stay up. And the contacts aren't by a toenail. It's clean. And the timer separates it it out. And, you know, the thing is, and depending on where you're standing, whether you're looking at a contact, whether you're looking at a front and or a heel position and obedience, whatever you're looking at, the, the angle, the distance, all that stuff can really change what you, what you're seeing as an observer. And, and that's why I said talk about like the judging path for healing. I mean, how I score your healing depends a lot on what I'm seeing at each point in the healing pattern, you know? And I think sometimes people watch from outside the ring and they're like, well, clearly there was a lag there. Clearly there was a forge there or a bump there. Well, if I'm not in that position in that moment to see it, I can't see it, you know? Maybe as an agility judge, I mean, I'm sure there's times that a handler is running and because of where they are between you and the dog and the relation to the contact, maybe you can't tell quite for sure if their toenail was in that contact or not. You can't. I mean, I remember having Rod Ramsell tell me, he's like, I can't judge a handler eclipse. I have to, I can't assume. I have to judge what I see. And, you know, I think. Well. Angle makes a lot of difference. I mean, and I don't think people always think about it. You know? Plus, just the fact that it's going fast. I mean, it is a lot easier to go back and look at a videotape. And, you know, we live in an era where it's where lots of runs get videotaped, whether it's agility or obedience or rally or whatever. It is really easy to go back in a videotape where you can make it bigger, where you can slow it down, where you can pause it and be like, well, see, they hit it. Or, oh, see, I told you they didn't hit that. Why didn't the judge get that? Well, we don't have the benefit of the videotape. We have to react in that split second. 
and remember to keep going because there's still crap happening after whatever. You know, you can't spend five minutes trying to decide whether or not the dog hit a contact or not. Right. And well, I mean, if we're if we're going for video, uh, I'm opting to never leave my bed on the weekends, and I will judge every single weekend from my bed if I can do remote login and uh, and I can go ahead and get to those cameras there because. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to. I'd love to not have to travel half the time. Sit in your um, PJs and watch. Your- <laughs> exactly. I'll just put up on a big eighty-inch TV on, in the bedroom, and mm-hmm. I'll just sit there and just I'll just call because that means I would get access to multiple camera angles. I get to look at individual mm-hmm. contacts. I can zoom in on the mm-hmm. dog walk. I can guarantee I don't miss it. A frame, the teeter. I can really slow down. Guarantee whether or not you yeah. actually hit it or not. And although some people may or may not like that idea because a teeter <laughs> in real life, um, it can be extremely close and get, you know, if you slow it down, yeah, the dog actually did leave before. So um, yeah, some people might not like that idea, but I certainly might because it would be nice as, some, as fast as some of those dogs are hitting that teeter, and I know without a doubt that they've left early, but at the same time, I go, but did they, or are my eyes playing a trick on me? Because they do go so fast. Um, I will tell you, though, as a judge, the contact I hate judging the most is a dog walk because there are the dogs that have the running dog walk, which that one's easy to judge because it is all about matter of finding their stride, watching it, and mm-hmm. watching where they hit because if they bounce, Nine times out of ten, they're not hitting that contact, or they're not going to be close at all. So it's easy to it's easy to tell when they're going to have that fault there. The mm-hmm, hard yeah. ones are when the dogs that don't have a true two on two off, don't have a running dog walk, don't have anything. It's just kind of haphazardly uh, put together there, and they're kind of just stuttering right before they get that contact. And then it's like I, I might get I might get, and then you have the handler that stands in the way. And then right. I'm playing peekaboo, trying to play around the uh, the side of the uh, the handler here, and you know sometimes you get the benefit of the doubt. So it it kind of goes against the running dog walk because if you're going for accuracy. You can hide your contact pretty well uh, to get through it, but at the end of the day, you know, I still think the running dog walk is going to be your better benefit because it's it can be more consistent there. Uh, but yeah, that's that's one of the hardest things to judge. And then you know, we can talk about the refusals too because that is the number one subjective thing that we all talk about. And you can ask from judge to judge. Well, where did you think that refusal was? And you know, you'll get you get four different answers out of five judges, and it all depends. How was the dog's motion? How fast were they going? You know, you know, how hard was the judge or the handler pushing there? And where did they actually end up stopping? And where did they flip around? Where did they spin at there? And, you know, were they actually intending to actually hit the jump or go for that jump there? Or were they actually in path to take something else? And there's, a, there's so many things that you're taking into account for in split seconds here because everything is always in split seconds there. And, you know, and yeah, there are times where we're going to take a call back because I know I've taken my share of calls back after I called it, you know, right away because after I make that call, then I start thinking back, man, going, did it really happen that way? Let me let me think about that. And, I might, and I'll go back and describe. I'm happy. If I feel like I'm wrong, I'm going to make sure that I take care of that because I don't, I don't, just because I call at that moment doesn't mean I'm not entitled to go ahead and go, hey, you know what? Never mind. I'll never put anything right. else on, but I will always take something off if I have to. Right. Well, and I think sometimes, and that's one thing we're judging obedience, that you have a little bit of leeway. Like, so sometimes you watch something happen in obedience and it's like, it's on the verge of like, I could fail this, but I also could pass it. And, right. and you're not sure. And sometimes the obedience gods step in 
and say, hey, we're going to straight up have this dog fail something else later. (laughs) And so like I did have a couple of dogs where I didn't finish marking um, where you're most likely to see it, like novice or open a uh, heel off leash. Because sometimes that's pretty iffy. And so sometimes you sit there and you go, you know what? I'm just going to wait a hot second because I will tell you if I've got an open a dog or maybe a utility a dog that is, Ooh, that healing is, you know, you could certainly make a case for saying, no, thank you. But you also could make a case for, yeah, well, sometimes you just wait and see what happens because if I got a dog that really struggles with the healing, but they make it through everything else and they do the, part of the exercise and I'm teetering. Well, guess what? I'm probably going to send them away with a 170 and a half and call it a day and it's fine. And then, it, but if they fail something else, I might still, I might mark the NQ on the healing as well. Just so you like, okay, you need to, when you're training, you might want to try to up your game on that, you know, so they're not going, Oh good. Well, at least I passed. I don't need to improve my healing, you know, like that kind of thing as an agility judge you don't get to sit there and hold the score sheet close to you until you're done. I mean, but you can pull a thing off later or sometimes it's like, do I call that? Do I not call that? And then a bar comes down and you're like, all right, well, you know, decision made or easier. Whereas if that's the only thing and you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure. And then maybe you can have the leeway to go, you know, I don't think that I really should have called that, you know, so it, so, Whereas, so wait, you're telling me you're you're telling me that there's obedience gods because I thought they're only agility gods because they give it and they take it. Oh, there are definitely obedience gods, and the obedience <laughs> gods are not any nicer than agility gods are, and they oh, will make no. you pay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, can be, but they can also oh, they can twist that knife, you know. Like <laughs> just yeah. well, and from a judge's aspect, if something is so close that I can't make a clear-cut decision on something, I'll let it go in favor of a dog, knowing that if there's something, if it was meant to be called, something will fall. It'll be a bar, most likely, or they will take an off course at that point. And mm-hmm. once I see that, I'm going, okay, I was right. But you know what? Sometimes you do get lucky. You do get those gifts. And you know what? Mm-hmm. You pay for them dearly. Yes, exactly. Yep. And, yeah, yeah. and of course, you know, in agility, then you have the extra – added room for human error is the judge has to call, but then the scribe has to notice and remember to write it down. Cause <laughs> we have all had gifts in that department. Um, you the know, where department. the scribe. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, and speaking to someone who scribed a lot, I would like to think for the most part, I'm pretty darn good at getting those calls down, but you know, that's the thing that's great and not great about dog sports is there's, the element of human error. And sometimes you just, the lights are on and nobody's home and you forget to move your pencil. Or sometimes that last bar comes down and you're already handing off that scribe sheet, you know? And yeah. Or in my case, the scribe wasn't looking at Pixis run when he was an open standard and the judge called his dog walk. I said, did you call it? And he goes, yep, I call it. I go, good, because it definitely was a miss. And I got a free <laughs> cue because when I look back at the video, the scribe wasn't even looking at the judge. I'm going, well, that explains why I got a free cue, which at that point, I don't think even, uh, I don't think I even got that from the agility guys. I think that was just pure, just not paying attention. So I don't think I paid yeah. for that one. 
I paid for one of Peppers and see it and see I'm still paying for it because now I can't get her stinking excellent standard title oh, is <laughs> is um describe Mr. Paul and and so I I didn't, and I, I didn't even realize it. It wasn't, it was like the first day of a three day trial. And so I didn't even look right. Cause I was like, well, we didn't pass. And then I just, right. I don't even know why. It's like I went and checked the next day and I was like, Oh wait, she's got a sticker. Oh gosh. And of course by then the judge doesn't remember. They don't remember what happened 24 hours ago with one dog out of 300 runs. You know, I mean, it's the book's already been signed off on. You're just like, Oh, well, okay. Let me tell you what the next cue. Oh, it's just painful. It's like the agility God said, you did not deserve that. We are going to make you pay. And I'm like, don't do that to me. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> but, you know, and, and so there's that too, which at least in obedience, the judge, if the judge meant to call it, they are marking the score sheet, you know? Right. Um, right. So, but again, when you're trying to mark your score sheet and watch the dog and watch where you're going and call your healing pattern or whatever, or, you know, sometimes you can't see everything at once. You just, you know, and judges are people like, you know, and I think too, we get like in this thing, you know, in sports now we have instant replay, like officials can review calls and it's great, but you know, this is still dog sports and we don't. I don't think that's a realistic thing that's going to happen. So you got to go with what you see and you know it, but I will tell you like for anybody that watches outside the ring and says, Oh, I can't believe they missed that. Blah, blah, blah. Step inside and step on that side of the clipboard because you will be shocked at <laughs> what you're going to be like, Oh, and it goes fast. It, it there's, it is multi. I mean, I'm a good multitasker, and it is multitasking to the max. And it takes right. it takes some doing. It really does. Oh, absolutely! And what makes it even more fun from the agility side is when we when I start doing the international stuff, and those courses are not walking distance for a judge's path. There's times where I'm sprinting across the ring to beat you down the dog walk there, or to one of the contacts to make sure I can judge it, and I'm getting down. I'm squatting down to make sure I'm watching that dog walking that teeter there to make sure I see it. That adds a very big element of physical um, aspect to things. And oh, yeah. that makes it even harder. So not only is it physical, it it's also very mentally taxing too, man. Yeah. It's definitely, it wears you out. And I know we don't, we have a whole lot more runs than you do as an obedience judge do, but you have so many more things that you are watching on a regular basis that we, than we are really Right. And a lot of detail because, you know, for especially like in a jumpers run, it's a much it's a simpler, you know, did the bar come down? Is the dog doing the right course? Was that a refusal? You know, that's did they do all the weed pulls? Whereas in obedience, every step they take, I got to make sure it's perfect or I have to be ready to mark it. And, you know, that's so there's there's differences, you know, just. And like I say, you're trying to keep track of everything at once. You're going to, your judge's path, whether you're an agility judge, an obedience judge, rally judge, you know, you're trying to be unobtrusive to the dog, but you need to be in position to see, and you want to be in position to see the same things for each dog so that you're being fair. And like I say, you don't right. want to make the dog in the ring nervous. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to disrupt anything. You just want to, 
then that's a lot. And then you obviously don't want to like trip over a jump or <laughs> a ring gate or something like right. that. Like, <laughs> I've <laughs> never, I've never backed my ass off into a jump before. I've never done that. Never, never. I sense. Yeah, I never. Mm-hmm. I sense um, <laughs> sarcasm in that statement. Uh, there, there, there is sarcasm dripping at this point. <laughs> So I got to ask you, do you, can you think back to when you were new? Because I know you've been doing this for a little while now. But think back when, when you were new. Something that happened early on that you're like, ooh, that's not in the rules. What do I got to do? And, like, how did you solve it? Like, can you think of something from your early days that stands out? Mm. I got to say a lot of the fast runs. Because... Um, there's so many nuances in fast that are really most rules are covered in fast. Uh, but when it comes to course design uh, for fast specifically, there are so many little nuances that uh, come up when it comes to the send bonus. And that's why I have resorted to making it um, the, the acronym KISS. Keep it simple, stupid, because I can't handle enough questions from competitors when I try to make something fun out of fast. I've tried it and yeah. I love the idea of it, but then everybody has to ask, well, what if, what if I, mm -hmm. I, I hate the hypothetical game because it's right. honestly all the questions I had thought I had answered and thought I came up with and even put on the paper as far as rules go, I still miss stuff. And I'm just like, you know, we're just going to go back to simple because um, Friday morning, Sunday morning, Saturday morning, whatever day it is, it is 8 a.m. Jeff is not Jeff is not doing rules. It, it's it's <laughs> no, it's too hard. It's too hard. Um, it's I am too very thankful people. though that yeah, too many, too too many, too many hypotheticals. Um, <laughs> I am very thankful though that we are allowed to go back and look at video for fast because mm -hmm. there are times where. Unfortunately, everybody likes to hover around the timer and describe and have their extremely loud conversation that even I can hear in the middle of the ring and I can't go, hey, zip it over there. Um, yeah. But, uh, but why is that? So this is a, you are an leader. Do not talk in the ear of your scribe and fast and then complain later that right. you might have missed something. Grumble. Right. <laughs> exactly. 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 Um, but that's one thing I love about fast is that we can actually go back and look at video. Now, I, I mean, I can't fault anything or anything like that, but I can make sure that your points are accurate. Your time is accurate and whether or not you got the send bonus. And um, it was actually quite helpful because this past weekend, because I had uh, scribes and timer that unfortunately did not know what they were doing. And this was like their first time ever scribing. I'm going, you picked the absolute worst class to even consider doing this. So, and to learn on the fly here. So, um, yeah, uh, that was definitely uh, definitely one of the best things to have is that video review because I reviewed like six or seven review or six or seven uh, runs to review because uh, we weren't sure points were correct or they weren't and they wanted to recount it. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Just show me video. Yeah, video. I will look at it. If you don't, well, that's, uh, that's too bad. Yeah. And one thing I will tell all exhibitors, Look at your scribe sheet immediately as soon as you come off. Bug the bug the timer because timer once they say go, it's fine. You can you can ask them to look at that scribe sheet because 
Don't wait till three or four dogs after you've run, because I can tell you what, I barely remember your run immediately at that point, because there's so much going on inside, outside the ring that I have to be conscious of. And, you know, if you're not going to look at it then, and you ask me at the end of the class, I'm just going to go, sorry, can't help you. That's, I mean, yeah, that's just life at that point. Um, especially don't, don't wait till the day after to ask me what you did because right. I'm, well, one, the books are closed, so it doesn't matter. And two, right. I still can't remember your run. Especially, I had that border collie in twenty inch and <laughs> at the border collie specialty. Yeah, <laughs> well, it doesn't really have to be a border collie specialty to have a collection of. Or I had that sixteen inch sable shelfie. You know, I mean, come oh, on, yeah. like, I mean, I might have a chance with the one eyed Samoya, maybe, but you know, right, I hate to break right. it to y'all. Well, but, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's it, there's just. Yeah, you're out there. You're not focusing on the characteristics of the dog. You're like, you're counting points and stuff. And so don't make it right. harder to remember that. Exactly, so. exactly. Said, uh, one of the first things I remember when I was judging, it was actually my first out-of-town trip. It was into New Jersey, and... I took my time off work. I, I get out there and I'm still a novice provisional and I'm standing in line for the enterprise trying to get a car. And also my boss calls. I'm like, Oh, hi, what's, what's going on? He goes, Hey, we need that. We need to have a talk when you get, uh, when you get back. I'm like, Oh, what? Uh, turns out I got fired that day. So that was a fun, uh, first out of town trip memory that I oh. always remember. <laughs> That's nice. That was, That's nice. that was like going, why did you call me on a Friday? You knew I wasn't even there, but you know, whatever move on better things, bigger things in life at that point. So yeah, good times there. Yeah. But my very first judging assignment, uh, I quickly learned uh, the hardest lesson of course design very quickly there because what my dogs can do, a lot of other dogs were not capable of doing. So, you know, especially um, in open class, you know, we're looking at wraps and stuff yeah. like that, that are, that are tough. Now, to be honest, I still do wraps and open now occasionally, but I mm-hmm. have a much better sense of approach with them. I have a much better dog lines with them. So uh, there's been a lot of learning over seven years. And honestly, you know, if you're out there with a brand new judge, you know, cut them some slack there. I mean, don't don't give them complete slack, but, you know, give them some slack to, to learn to grow because judging's the hardest thing. Actually, judging's the easy part. It's the course design because when we go to these places we've never been to before, we really don't know one because this has happened multiple times to me is the facility dimensions are not always accurate where, you know, when I was in North Carolina, I was told it was 100 by 100. Well, yes, in the maximum spots, it was 100 by 100. But the problem is nobody told me that there was an oval shape at the end of it that didn't exactly give me the 100 by 100. So um, all my courses on that one side of the ring had to be modified on the ground because it wasn't the, wasn't the dimensions. And, you know, same thing happened to me in Detroit. And unfortunately, that one had to be designed all the night before. Everything had to be redesigned because it was 10 foot off. And if anybody knows oh. me, runs underneath me, I use every inch of the facility there, mm-hmm. and there was no room for uh, there was no grace room at all. It was just here, mm-hmm. just having to redesign everything. And fortunately, I was stuck in the Denver airport, so that was fun um, overnight. But redesigning twenty five courses, not what I would call a good night. Oof, 
And see, that's why I'm not in a big fat hurry to be an agility judge because course design is not my strength. <laughs> and I know I can learn. I mean, I know I can learn, but it's not, it doesn't come naturally to me or it doesn't come easily to me, yeah. I guess. Um, right. And then I'm like, oh, the idea of having to do, like, I can, I can tweak a rally course on the fly, but ooh, I don't, at this point in my, my comfort level would not be like if I had to fix one, if I had to fix all those courses, <laughs> I just curl up in a ball and cry. I need a mom. No way it happened. I'm not saying I didn't. I'm not saying I didn't find a corner of the Denver airport and cry for about an hour because I'm like, I am all alone. I have to wait till five a.m. the next morning. I ain't getting any sleep, and then I have to walk right in and judge because somebody's got a cover for me. So that's yeah. that, those are the worst experiences ever. But again. You know, if these judges are just getting out there, yeah, their courses are going to be really rough probably to get go. You might get one that's really lucky and has a great design um, mentality or really understands dog lines. But I can guarantee you, you know, we all think it's easy on the outside because I thought it was going to be easy when I first started. But uh, there was a very sharp learning curve for the first three, four years. And it really wasn't until the last two to three years where I finally found my stride. I, I know what I want. I know what I look for. And hopefully people who you know run underneath me know that, you know, there's going to be long, big lines that dogs are going to open up the space. But at, and then at the same time, we're going to ask for some, and not even to be technical, they're just going to require your handling skills. You know, it's, it's nothing that's over the top that you can't handle, um, but it's going to take communication with your dog. And that's just, it, it's definitely something that's out there that you're going to have to have to work on there. You can't, you definitely cannot let your dog drive the bus on my courses because they're going to drive you right off the cliff if you do that. Right. Into an off course tunnel that we will then sing about later. Actually. Oh my God. We're going to talk about that again. That ever happened. <laughs> oh god we um there was a day i even i my dogs are trained they're not trained like my kids dogs are trained but my dogs are and i was like well i'm gonna show the line and i'm gonna my dogs are trained and they're i'm gonna trust my training and they are gonna go where i tell them to go and i'm gonna show the line and whatever no, no, off course tunnels. I mean, I knew my little golden friend was going to buy the off course tunnel because she lived for off course tunnels. Um, but I really thought the white dogs would handle that course, and none of them. I think I ran three white dogs that day, and none of them, <laughs> none of them, none of them. But you know, that's I don't think that was the course's fault. I just think for whatever reason, <laughs> it was just a bad day. Like, so the funny part that I find with judging is that if one person one person can start a complete chain reaction and then another person can completely break that chain reaction. So we can start in fact actually we'll just we'll go for this weekend actually. So first person online, twenty-four inch dog, nails my course. Second person nails it, third person nails it, the fourth person tries something different. And guess what the next twenty people did? At that point, the different thing that didn't work, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I watched, I literally just watched the domino effect of 20 other people just in queue, in queue, because they all follow the same person. Now, to me, I think that's called the definition of insanity. Yes. But of course, too, I mean, I will say as a competitor, sometimes I walk a course and I have an idea and I have changed on the fly because I'm like, oh, that person had my idea and they didn't make it work. 
well, they didn't make it work maybe because of their skills or their dog's training or whatever suited something else differently. Whereas, you know, I've had it where I've changed because of what I saw and shot myself in the foot for that. But then I also have times where I've changed what I'm to do because of what I saw and it helped. And then I've also right. had times where I've watched it go badly and been like, no, I'm sticking to my guns. This is what I know. And it worked. Yep. So, Absolutely. you know, to be, fair, to be fair, that's always a tightrope to walk, which, you know, is a competitor too. It but is. yeah, when you see all 20 dogs in a row make the same mistake with the same handling choice, it's like, all right, y'all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe all, right. all right. Come good. on. Come on. Somebody change it up because I could watch them go with the same line. I'm going, oh, that's a bar. Oh, that's an off course. I was like, it's going to be one of two things, bar yep. or off course at this point. So, yeah, it, yep. it's, it's okay to be different. But just make sure it's different that you're not wrong at the same time. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, yeah. Oh, well, I, I think that about wraps it up for us tonight on uh, on that whole wonderful world of judging and first for that one. So I did have one thing. You know, you talk about things that it's like, hmm, what happens now? And that was my first, my, my rally judging assignment. And, um, Young lady was in my ring, sweet, sweet person, lovely person, showing this lovely little border collie. And she's got her little kid with her. He's like three, four, something like that, toddler age. She's going along. She'd already shown Masters and Excellent. She's in advanced. She's going from sign eight to nine. And all of a sudden, the kid comes toodling into the ring. He is tired of waiting for mom, and he is going to join her. <laughs> and for those who have had toddlers, you know the look that this kid about gave. Because she, of course, glared murder at him and was like, get out of the ring. And somebody else tried to kind of grab him and be like, get out of the ring. And the kid did the toddler flop to the ground. And he had his toy truck in his hand and he chucked the toy truck. And I am thinking, <laughs> oh, no. We are going to have a fit because, you know, my kid's almost 20, God forbid. But she used to be a toddler. And a few fits were had because toddlers do that. And I was like, we are going to have a screaming fit. And to this kid's credit and mom's credit too, somebody was able to come and grab the kid, get him out. And there was no screaming, but she looked at me with kind of big eyes. And I'm thinking she thought I was going to be like, get the heck out of my ring. And I'm thinking this is not in the rule book. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it says in the rally regulations what to do when a toddler runs in the ring and then throws their toy on the ground. Um, <laughs> so I just said, because he'd finished sign eight and was headed to sign nine, I said, why don't you go back to sign eight and just finish from there? And so she did. And then she was very grateful that I let her finish. And I just said, hey, you know, I treated it as something unusual happening that allowed a review you know you're allowed to do that if something really exceptional happens you can be like yeah right. that wasn't fair try again and so that's what i did now thankfully she wasn't in any sort of tie for the placements because of course the timer is still running and so the time for the fit plus the redo you know she would have lost that badly but um you know but it worked out and but I say that was something because I'm sitting there and this is happening and I'm thinking, well, of course this is happening today when I'm brand new at this and not actually a real judge. <laughs> and there's a kid flopping in the middle of the ring. <laughs> but, you know, it was one of those things that I think that even when I've been a judge for years is going to stick in my head is, well, 
that was interesting and fun, but you know, it all worked out. It was a good time. So, you know. Yeah, that's definitely not in the rule book there. I don't, I don't know about that one. Even for kids in agility in the agility ring, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I would go. Let's let's just start this over again. I'm just, I'm just gonna let this one go. Yeah, we're just gonna. Yeah, because to me, it would be like if a loose dog came in the ring or a ring gate fell down. You know what I mean? Something like that, where it's just like, you know, let's just start over from here, and we'll just finish up and. You know, it worked out, but it was, it was just one of those things that I was kind of like, as it's happening, I'm like, well, of course this is happening when I have it's no years time. experience. Yeah. yeah. It's my first time. So naturally <laughs> this is what would happen. But right. right. Of course. Okay. It worked out. I think I would like to think that if I had been being observed by a rep at that point, they would have been okay with the decision that I made. I hope. So I guess hopefully I don't have to repeat it and find out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, I'm sure that one handler was thankful that you, uh, you gave him that reprieve. Yes, she very much was. And I just said, Hey, I had a toddler once too. I totally get it. So, you know, (laughs) well, all right. Well, on that news, I think that will, uh, That'll do it for us for tonight, and we'll see you next time. Have a great time trading out there. Good night.